AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast. And this one is special right here. One of my good friends from the city of Compton, California, a lot of pivotal hits under his belt, considered a legend. You know what I'm saying? I made a lot of records, man. He runs with a producer by the name of DJ Quick that's a pretty decent producer. And is on right now. He's a fucking genius. Um, <laughs> we got my good friend High C in the house. Croft, what's up? Man, what's up, Big Steel? Oh, uh, man, just chilling, man. I've been waiting to get you in here forever, man. Man, this feels crazy because you my bro. We talk like every day, like, you know. Yeah, so for sure. And that's why it's sometimes weird doing these interviews, man, with people that you're real cool with. Yeah. Because all you're doing is having a conversation and you know everything about that person, but you ask yeah. them about stuff you already know. For sure. So, man, this is special because you don't give a lot of interviews. I think 
I, I've only seen like a couple of interviews on you online. There was people like I saw you did one with Tony A. Yeah, yeah. And I think you did one with Soren Baker. Yeah, that's the only. That's that's it. That's it. No social media at all. So nah, when I um told the people and um I did a post and said, hey, I'm about to get high C. Yeah. In the studio. Yeah. I had like man maybe like fifteen hundred people in the thread. Man. Which is a lot. So you're real popular out there, man. I'm gonna have to do one of my uh like like Kevin Durant or something, give me one of them ghost and burners accounts and shit. Mm-hmm. You and have start to rocking and rocking like that. You gonna have to, dog, because people love you out there and they wanna hear from you. Man, I love them back, no? For sure. So we could go way back to the beginning since you don't do a lot of interviews. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you first start rapping? Man, I had to be I wanna say probably if I had to take a guess and it's not accurate, but I want to say probably about 13, 14 years old, somewhere around there. Yeah, because a lot of people don't know. You don't yeah. write your raps down on paper. Everything you do is kind of like a freestyle. Yeah, yeah. Like I sit, I, I sit there and think about it and think about it. And it's almost like I treat it like a rehearsal. You know, like if you're going to school or something and you had a play that you wanted to recite and, you know, one of the Martin Luther King plays that you was a part of when you was holding the M and the M is for, you know. So I just felt like I wanted to have my hands free. I wanted to be able to express myself using my hands. A lot of us do. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, let me just start kind of like remembering like, you know, by the time we all in the studio, because we all be, you know, it'd be groups of us in the studio. And by the time dudes finish writing their shit, I'm sitting there thinking about, okay, I want it enter like this and mm-hmm. I want to end it like this. And, you know, don't get me wrong. When I first started, I had like notebooks of shit that I used to write down. And I remember in high school, I had this, like folder a couple of folders man and i don't know where the hell they went i think somebody got me or mm-hmm. i probably done misplaced them shits or whatever but norm i had some fire in there like mm-hmm. some shit and you know when you got that shit you can't get it back because you wrote it down a certain way and you can't remember exactly what it is so i was like damn i don't want to lose no more notebooks you know mm-hmm. so you just start keeping everything up beside yeah, the brain much, yep up beside the brain you know um so you mentioned that you got rapping, started rapping real early. Mm-hmm. Was Quick producing then? Yeah, Quick was doing most of the, like, Quick was more of a producer than he was a rapper, man. People don't really know that. Like, he was really a DJ Quick mix. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he was doing saying? all the beats for you early on? Um, He was, like, I was messing around with stuff, you know, on my own or whatever. You know how I get down or whatever. So, But he was like, he had that shit down pat. Like, he would take the cheapest piece of equipment or the like lower level piece of equipment mm-hmm. and just make wonders out of that shit like he got every he squeezed every juice out of that lemon like he can't you know like he just knew how to take something and just make that shit just sound real real good man yeah because a lot of the earlier recordings you guys did on the mixtapes and stuff on those um, rhodium swap meat mixtapes yeah. yeah they were done on four tracks right that was done on the four track that was Steve Yano rest in peace and Tony A yeah those them shits took a long time to do. That's how I ended up meeting like Easy E and Dr. Dre, you know, from from uh, doing the rhodium stuff too. Yeah, because you go back a long ways and you still look young as hell, dog. Oh man, thank you, man. I always you know, look like shit. a little kid every time I see you. I got I got to catch up, man. I got to hit the gym. Man, come on, man. You know I'm shit. You know that's where I be at. Yeah, and that's what I want to go into, man. When did you? When did the crew get together? Like when did you start hooking up with Quick, Second and None, and all those guys? Well, shit, most of us went to school together. Quick stayed around the corner. We from the same neighborhood or whatever. Yeah, so treetop pirate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah treetop, <laughs> two T's and a P. Man, you already know. So we, you know, Quick stayed around the corner, and we was like, 
real tightest friends and just used to ride dirt bikes, man. Like the stuff you see now when the dudes on the dirt bikes, we was riding dirt bikes, man, a long time ago, like just in the streets and doing our shit, dirt bike riding and just doing what, you know, the normal badass little kids was doing. And Quick was over there doing this thing. I had another dude that I used to work with, not work with, but just make music, like just fuck around with, with the turntables. His name was Sean Whitehurst. Mm -hmm. So Whitehurst, Mixmaster White, we used to call him. We used to blend all the shit and we had the reverbs and we didn't really have drum machines back there. So we would just get down off of instrumentals. And then we started like, you know, everybody was doing their little shit back then. It was like ballers and they was making money and they'll give us, give a nigga like a hundred dollars just to make a tape for them and say their name in the tape because they wanted to impress the girls and shit. Mm -hmm. So they'd be like, man, I'd be like, hell yeah, I'll take this hundred. Like to me, it was like, God damn, I'm young. You know, looking at a hundred was like back then was like, God damn, that was a lot. So take the hundred, say their name in there and, you know, shit like that. And they wanted their own little, that's when the, the uh, sound systems in the car was real big. Like mm -hmm. niggas to shake your house, like two fifteens and shit all beating down the block. So they had a name in the tape and then we just kind of started like that. And what year was this? This you talk about 87, 88, yeah, right? Yeah, it was in 80, yep, 87. Yeah, 87, 88, yeah. that's when the sound system was. That's sound when I first system. hit Cali. Yeah. People have like 5,000 watts in their trunk, man. You just <laughs> shake sound like man. gorillas trying to get man, off the trunk. hell yeah. Man, they had shit in the cars, man. Sometimes it'll take your breath, dog. Like you'll feel the, the bass hitting your chest or your eyelashes wiggling and shit. You be like, God damn. But niggas is really into that sound shit and putting you know doing personalized tapes and shit you know mm -hmm. it, it was it was like the thing you know so quick was always nice then oh yeah always had it's always had a talent and just a gift for that shit yeah so y'all get together y'all doing the mixtapes and everything like that and y'all got the whole crew because i noticed y'all appeared on each of every each other's joints yeah like you i would hear you on second to none stuff i would hear second to none on your stuff yep. i would hear quick on your stuff and vice versa mm -hmm. so around what time did you get your first because you you was working with steve yano rest in peace yeah i went to the rodeo man my boy my 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 dog man he just recently passed away man he uh my boy bb and bb me and bb um he was like, Croft, man, come up to the uh, the rodeo and swap, swap meet with me. And I was like, what's up there? He was like, man, I'm looking for jobs. Like, we can get some money up there. And I was like, no shit. He was like, yeah. So I said, man, you sure? We caught the bus up there and pulled up at the rodeo. And he went, I think he was working with some dude that did, that sold weights and the weight lifting equipment and shit like that. So I ran into this dude that sold pants, like his name, you know, named George, mm -hmm. little short French guy and shit, to, like smooth with the ladies. He sold women clothing. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna get a job with him, helping him, you know, sell clothes or whatever. And so I used to always hear this music coming from this, this stand, you know, shit, we was just attracted to music or whatever. I used to hear this music and I'm like, man, they playing some shit over there. I gotta go see what's going on, you know? Mm -hmm. So I I went over there and I saw Steve Yano and then I end up probably meeting Tony A like a little bit later on. But I'm looking at Steve. I'm thinking, you know, when I pull up over there, it's going to be some black dude or whatever. I look at Steve. Steve Yano is Asian dude, long hair and shit like this. His wife, you know, Asian. Shout out to Sue. She, that's, that's still a homie, man. So I'm looking at him like, man, but one thing about Steve, Norm, you can't judge a book by his cover because this dude knew every fucking record every name of a record who made the record mm -hmm. kind of like quick do like we would be riding and quick to do the same thing like oh that's such and such he made this and that's the keyboard player from johnny world bernie world he, he just know all the shit you know mm -hmm. steve yano was the same way hey you need to use this break and do this and this and that he was just 
the king of the vinyl. So a lot of people used to gravitate towards him to get their records. And back then, you know, we used to sample a lot of shit off of break beats and we'll go through all kind of crates of records just to find that little break so we can sample that shit to rap to. So Steve had all these old school records and long story short, I just started telling him like, look, man, I get down, I rap, you know, and I, I've saved up some money to take my, uh, take my little project to the black hole studios back in the day. That mm -hmm. was a little black hole. Yeah. So I found out I went in there and made me some little shit. It was some little cool shit or whatever. It wasn't mm -hmm. really nothing I let a motherfucker hear today, but it was like some little shit, you know, like I went in there and stretched out and then he heard some of my shit and he was like, Oh, okay. You serious about it? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is my shit, you know? And then not only that, like I played alto sax in junior high. Then I played mm -hmm. a little bit in high school. So I was always into music, man. Just mm -hmm. always into it. A lot of people don't know because you produce yourself too. Yeah, you're you're a producer, very yep. good producer. Thank you, man. Did you ever, um, at some point, what made you decide I'm gonna focus more on my rapping than making the beats? Because you was doing both for a while, right? Yeah, but you yeah. was primarily because you never really put yourself out there as a producer. No, I never did, man. Because I feel like when I do something, like when I'm producing, I feel like it'll be like if I'm fucking with you, it'll be tailor made for me and you to get down on, or if it's something for me. Like, you know, like I mm -hmm. would, out with my producing stuff, I feel like it's more of a vibe, like a, a frequency, like mm -hmm. a lower level, higher level vibe or whatever we into or whatever we shooting for at the moment. So I felt like I wouldn't want to go and just do a whole bunch of beats and shit for somebody else that probably wouldn't understand where I'm coming from. You know, if that makes sense, like this is what I'm feeling on this or this is what I'm feeling on that. So I just kind of like let like quick and then uh, don't get me wrong quick is like the master at that shit so when he do the shit on the sp12 he can do that shit so quick and he made it effortless and it was like shit nigga that's you that's what you do like if we playing baseball you the pitcher i'm the catcher or the second baseman we got a shortstop i don't need to be doing everything i can let him get down you get what i'm saying yeah and for just sure. stretch out on, on what i i can do now, now, who was officially in the crew? I'm gonna try to name them off. Tell them if I missed anybody. Yeah. You got second and nine. Mm-hmm. You got quick. Yep. Of course, I see mm -hmm. you. Then we had the homie Mossberg. Well, before Mossberg. Before Mossberg, AMG. AMG came. AMG, AMG was the only one that wasn't from the city, but we put him on real early in the game. Like AMG just always been good with the with the, another dude that produced too. Like produced mm -hmm. his ass off write his own raps but he was just like more like a real like rapper rapper you know what i'm saying that nigga can spit he got bars you know so yeah amg shout out from ohio yeah, yeah shout out to amg that's my partner from ohio <laughs> i'm gonna have to get him in there because he's another dude to stay out the spotlight hell yeah you know, <laughs> amg don't got no social media <laughs> yeah. or nothing man he just around yep yep so we met g later on and then um after g Sugar free. Sugar free was yeah, uh, say sugar mixed sugar free. That's you know, like you know, that's that's a whole we can get into that though. But oh, we go go through the whole thing. Hell yeah, we but sugar free came in and then Mossy was uh rest in peace. That's my little nigga, man. Mossberg was like one of our dudes that was up and coming, like, but fast though. Like he was, you know, doing this shit. He was he was pushing a line, heavy line on. Yeah, he was hungry. Yeah, he was coming up fast. Mossberg and I, uh, and I gotta mention my homeboy. The man that gave me my first check. One of the guys that gave me my first check because I got mm -hmm. my first piece of money through you. Yeah. And then Black Tone got me my first placement as a producer. Hell yeah. Shout you know, out Black. Yeah, yeah, shout out Black Tone. And Black Tone is Bleggy. not doing well now. He had a stroke. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he recovering, doing, you know, doing pretty good. We talk on occasion and shit, so... Man, speedy recovery to black. 
and the fam, man, for sure. Okay, so we go going to the phase, man, to where you up at the rhodium, and I don't think a lot of people, especially the young people today, recognize the significance of the rhodium to mm-hmm. West Coast hip hop. Yeah. I would say the rhodium and the Compton Swap Meet are the two hubs for Southern California hip hop. Especially mm-hmm. back in the 80s, a lot of people got their start out those two, you know, out the Compton Swap Meet and out the rhodium. I would say yeah. even more so the rhodium, because yeah. the rhodium was before the Compton Swap Meet. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah, no, you're right. You mentioned, Especially if if it wasn't before, but the music was before, definitely. Yeah, for sure, because yeah. you mentioned seeing Dr. Dre up there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dr. Dre would be up there hustling his stuff. Um, yeah. The world-class wrecking crew yep. at the time. Ran into Easy up there. That's how me and Easy met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah Easy E. That's what I was going to go into. Mm-hmm. How did you guys not wind up on Ruthless Records? That's 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 a big question. That's a good question, Norm, because I honestly thought, like, Back in the day, like when we was getting down, me and Quick and all of us, like we really thought that was like, because you know, like just imagine kids from the city that didn't know the industry at all too much, but we just know what we see in front of us, which is, you know, ruthless records that we see on the label. We don't know how big it is or who owned it or this and this and that. And it was uh, like Def Jam, of course. It was I've, just all of the, uh, what was the other label? I think it was like a, uh, sleeping bag and fourth and broad just shit that we didn't really know we didn't know who was what or whatever mm-hmm. but we also knew the bigger labels you know but back then the bigger labels catered to stuff like you know the stuff that our parents would listen to like al green and teddy Pendergrass and you know michael jackson all the shit that you know that people listen to so we didn't really know like the hip-hop shit like until def jam you know certain ones came out mm-hmm. so we was figuring like you know damn we want to be down with ruthless but Ruthless was doing their own thing, going through their own distribution channel. So we ended up landing where we landed. Thank God it was cool, you know. So, Croft, you have been in a lot of recording sessions and everything, man. What's the craziest thing you don't ever seen happen, man? Oh, man. <laughs> you mean like some turn-up shit? Yeah, like turn-up shit, ass whoopings, <laughs> anything like that. Especially, you know, y'all was some of them death row recording sessions, man. man. You, heard, you heard about them? Yeah, I heard about a few of them. Man, shit, I don't even know if it was at the studio, but just for instance, you know, your boy a good nigga, so I ain't going to say no names or whatever, but I heard, (laughs) I heard it was the instance where motherfuckers was getting ready to make a move or whatever, and they was in a hotel, right? Mm -hmm. So you know how the the hotels, you know, they they have plush safes in the hotel, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they was in a hotel, and, and, uh, Suge supposedly had put his his shit in in the um safe in this big room, and some of the homies went up there to go have a meeting with him. So I ain't gonna say their name, you know, cause you know what I'm saying I love the homies. I don't want to make it look like we making fun of motherfuckers, but they went up there to have a meeting with him, and Suge was up there, a couple of the homies or whatever, and the safe was open, and it's those those safes, you know, that in the room, the the big black safes, mm-hmm. and so the. Uh, <laughs> And this is all what I heard. I'm telling the story because of, of what I heard. So niggas know what they did, whatever. So it was jury in the safe. You know, he'll take his jury off, throw it in the safe or whatever. So after the meeting, they had a meeting, blah, 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 this and this and that. So a couple of the homies was about to leave and a phone ring and his fat boy, he said, you know, she said, hey, come back up here real quick. And they could tell the way he said it, it sounded like some bullshit. It was like, oh, shit. 
and the homies was with him and shit and was like, what's going on? What, what, what? And he was like, oh man, they want us to come back. And the homie was like, man, why? What's going on? What's happening? So them niggas doubled back and um, coming to the hotel room, a motherfucker just got on their head and was like, man, where my shit at? And was like, what shit, man? My jewelry missing. And he was like, just grabbed a motherfucker. <laughs> and from what I hear, damn near picked him up off the ground, Darth Vader. And the boy I'm talking about ain't no little nigga neither. But like ready to tear him. I'm talking about it was on his head. You hear me still? Yeah, he picked like, him up by the neck. Like actually man, by the throat. Goddamn, yeah, then if, you know, collared <laughs> him up and shit. Like some real shit. Like, man, where my shit at? Because back then, you know, like some of that shit is like easily like $500,000 worth of fucking jewelry. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Rollies and shit plushed out or whatever. So they stole fat boy stuff? No, not, no. Let me t- finish the story. This is what's crazy. So they got on the nigga, man, and I'm talking about pressed the nigga and bought the... I don't know if they took off on him, but he was he was fucked up. Like, you know, pressed him real hard. And my nigga, the type of nigga that ain't going to do no shit like that. So, you know, the other homie was like, man, hold on, hold on, man. The homie don't do no shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't grab the nigga up. And I heard they probably, like, slapped him up a couple times or whatever. I'm just telling the story how I heard it. But the nigga got, you know, he got he got some shit. That's when Death Row was at his, at his finest, you know what I mean? The safe. The homie was like, man, hold on, hold on. All this motherfucking jewelry, Big Steel, you want to hear the funny shit? Hmm. The slid off of the velvet pillow behind the pillow in the black safe. Yeah. <laughs> and the shit was always in the safe the whole time when they moved the pillow. Like, man, it's right there. Did he apologize? <laughs> no, he's, the homie just, <laughs> he was just like, all right, damn. <laughs> and didn't even apologize. It was like, all right, for sure. And just let the niggas go on. So it was definitely some shit going on back in the studios back in the day. That's crazy, that man. So dude, dude, dude try to fight back anything? Hell no, nah, you can't fight back. Big Steel, I'm telling you, you hear what I'm saying, homie? Death Row at his prime. Oh, yeah. Full strength. It's better to take that little, swallow your pride <laughs> and, get, and walk out alive. Yeah, full strength, he Death Row. He sure can't shoot him a few dollars for the inconvenience. <laughs> the inconvenience is, nigga, you made it up out of here when I thought you stole my shit. That's crazy, You know what I'm man. saying? And then it was another instance where the homie know what I'm talking about, but I, can, I ain't going to say no names or whatever, but somebody had bootlegged the tape, and it was a real... Big artist coming up out of Death Row that got the tape. Tupac? I don't know. See, if I say too much, they ain't going to connect the dots. But it was a real big artist. (laughs) A real big artist coming up out of Death Row. You see how many fingers I put up? Okay. Okay. Okay, I got you. (laughs) And the audience can see that. Yeah. So it was a real big artist. and, And somehow one of the dudes, one of the homies, ended up getting the tape. And I heard it was bootlegging the shit. Or did some shit that they wasn't supposed to oh, do. Hold on, no, I think Quick might have spoke on this in one of them records. Bootlegged, <laughs> all eyes on me. Y'all go listen to that know, right but, there. Uh-huh. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was one of them. Come on to you know, hey, come up here to the red room. They call it the red room meetings. Mm-hmm. And nigga got his ass towed to pieces. And this is another big nigga too. Huh? Another big nigga, yep. I think I know the initials to his name. Mm-hmm. Should I say the initials? Nah, I don't Okay, even. I won't say the initials. This yeah. gonna be y'all. Y'all gonna have to do your homework <laughs> on this one right here. Man, I got so much shit. You got to bring me back on. I got so much shit, bro. Yeah, for it's sure. crazy, man. Y'all be on the lookout for crazy. part two right here because we, yeah, we got it, some shit going on. We got some other shit we got to talk to y'all about, you know? It's real shit, though. You know, this shit ain't... 
homie got, you know. But I mean, by right, like you bootlegging nigga shit, you taking money out of the, you know. Yeah, you taking sure. money out of niggas' pockets, out of kids' mouths. Why am I like nigga going to the studio, blood, sweat, and tears doing this shit for a motherfucker just to take it and bootleg it and give it to a motherfucker so you could eat it? You had nothing to do with this shit? Like, I understand why dude was mad like that. So nigga got in that red room and boy, touched everything. Hey, I want to ask you about another whooping if you was around for this whooping. I mean, this, this got to do with our homeboy BT. Because you know Osama, I just call him Osama. Yeah. Osama don't, don't, don't whoop a few people's ass <laughs> up in the thing. And, and we could talk about this. Um, what was the name of that label, man, that that, um, that Osama and them was messing with? Um, oh, the uh, you talking about the uh, Shepherd Lane? No, not Shepherd Lane. Bungalow? This, is, this Bungalow. Yeah. Yeah, what was my man's name up there? The, oh, yeah, you the, know what I'm talking about. The executive dude. We ain't going to say his yeah. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a little executive. I saw the homeboy Osama was in the meeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was talking about um, let's get some stuff off the table, and dude kind of got smart and got the taste slapped out of his mouth. Yeah, back in that's how I used to go back in the day. Yeah, go man. back in the day. You talk back, you was man, getting slapped around. Get ass toe up, and that's kind of the reason why. Like they always ask me why I don't get into like putting out a lot of dudes or you know producing other artists and shit like that. And it's kind of rare that you see a dude that's really about his shit that really have that drive and really want to stay in the studio really want to sleep in the studio. I don't care if they shave or take a bath them mm-hmm. the kind of niggas I want I never want a nigga went like we did we slept on the studio floor niggas that that won't take a bath for three days but I'm gonna write this song I'm gonna finish this song and t- these days man to me excuse me but it's it's just hard to find that drive in dudes these days they want that shit overnight they want to be like, oh, I just got a record deal, and they're going to go buy Jerry on the second day. Like, nigga, we was in that motherfucker, Jerry Curl, dried out, breath stinking, and they smell like whatever the fuck. We smell like two-day-old, what the fuck. All you know about, all about. But we trying to get this, this yeah, music Yeah, all about together. that work. That work, bro. Like, Tupac could come in that motherfucker, man, and, and Quickton told me stories about, like, Tupac running both of the studios and shit. Like, he'd come in here and fuck with this beat Quick was doing, and then fuck with um, the other producer, man. I think it was Johnny Jack, one of them, or Dre Track, or whatever. He was going back and forth, and, and, and um, Quick said he'd hit his, his cigarette and shit and smoke. Go take a break, but he will not leave that motherfucker because his work ethic was just something crazy, bro. His and I just feel like, flawless. yeah, I feel like if if dudes ain't giving me that energy, bro, I ain't gonna waste my money or my time to be trying to produce motherfuckers and hold people hand. That's why I'm not really into like doing that whole thing, man. And I know it's some dope talent out there, but it's just that's just not my bro my lane. I'm, I'm gonna tell you for real, man. Digital Soapbox has a record label. Yeah, yeah, we got a record label that actually got some little funding to it, dog. And yeah. and I would just rather go back and mess with the OGs like you, mm-hmm. mess with past like eight because y'all go do what it takes, man. Hell yeah, y'all it's y'all go business. do what it takes. We go go in there. Yeah. It's like I'm gonna tell you, ain't nothing worse. I had an artist before, man, and I and I'm not with the babysitting stuff, so I That's book time. I yeah, I book time, and I go up there about like the time. His time is like from four to nine. I mm-hmm. got a book from four to nine, so I let artists do their thing. Yeah, I don't police nobody because obviously I signed you. I think you dope enough to handle business. Mm-hmm. I go up to the studio, man, at six o'clock. Mind you, he been up there since four. I go up there. The studio reeks of marijuana. Mm-hmm. Bottles everywhere. 
And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me hear the music. I'm expecting yeah. I'll be gonna press play and I'm hear some incredible stuff. Yeah. Oh, we ain't got started yet. We getting the vibe. I said, well, that vibe cut off. I said, man, you know what? Shut this shit down, man. There Never fuck with do it again, man. Because yeah. you know what? Yep. You up here playing. You ain't playing looking for no opportunity. Money. Yeah, man. See, that's the one thing I miss about shit. Like, you, you in there, and when them doors open, nigga, if it's, if it's game on, and you one of the players, nigga, you better be playing. You better be hooping. You better be rocking. You better be doing something because we ain't wasting no bread. There's too many other motherfuckers that's in in the line that's trying to eat too. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, for so real. If you're not going to eat while you, it's your turn, nigga, move out the way. For real. And that's just, that's just how it go, man. Yeah, man. You know, so we, we go take a break real quick and we come right back. Y'all go ahead and um, check out our sponsors and make sure y'all support. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women 
the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, for sure. So your first record deal was actually on Disney. Yeah, that shit was on Disney, bro. And that's what, Norm, we got to make a whole movie documentary on the first rapper on Disney. And after me, they changed that shit to Hollywood Records. Like, they wanted to be in the rap game, but they didn't really want to, like... Yeah, they didn't want the association. The association, because, like, why did y'all sign me and give me all this money? One thing they did, they they fed me. They laced me up. They, they kept my pockets right. They give a nigga a check just to shut me up sometimes because I'd be in there complaining and shit. It was like, and Peter Paterno was the president at the time. He's the lawyer on Dr. Dre shit right now. You know, Dr. Dre and Eminem, I think he had something to do with the Dre Beast deal. Mm -hmm. You know Peter Paterno? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so. Heavyweight. Hell yeah. Michael Eisner at the time was over everything. So I'm like, they signed, you know, (laughs) they they know where we come from. Quick was doing his deal at uh, Profile. Second and I was doing Profile. I think AMG was doing Select. I think it was Select Records or whatever. It's the beauty of it. We all had our own individual deals, but we was already like Voltron. We was already clicked up. But everybody would go get their individual bag. And none of them pockets was deeper than that Disney shit. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for Without sure. You respect, talk about them Disney. Hell, yeah. Normally, boy done fucked off some, some good money. Just <laughs> you, you talk about Disney, man. So at that time, I'm pretty sure... They wanted to um, kind of censor a lot of your material. Yeah. They wanted everything to be kind of clean. Yeah, that's exactly what they wanted. You know what I'm saying? Because you didn't hear a whole bunch of cursing on your earlier records. I mean, it, it was a bunch of cursing on my records. That's kind of what we, like, we'll make jokes sometimes now. Like, Well, compared was, to today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Com- in, in comparison yeah. to what they're doing today, yeah. it was kind of lightweight back then. I won't say I won't say it was lightweight, but I, I'll say it's, it was different, put it that yeah, way. It was different. It, it was, was different. a different. Yeah. It was definitely our hardcore shit was more, street stuff. Yeah, we was we was more like street party. Let's have some fun. Let's hit the street. Let's you know party, turn up or whatever. And they still do the same shit today, but it's just in a different way, you know. Yeah, you you sold a lot of records with Disney, so it was happy yeah. with you. Hell yeah, and that's when they wasn't really uh, tracking shit. You know, like sound scan wasn't really. That's when they was the bootleg shit was heavy. So a lot of the shit was bootleg, but. 
Yeah, we did good with them. Yeah, because I think you would sound scan something like 300-something thousand copies. Yeah. Or probably more. So you oh, figured efficiently if, by now. Yeah, good. if you sound scan three hundred something by then, Croft, you probably sold back in that time. People mm-hmm. understand how big the bootlegging stuff was. Yeah, you might have sold six, seven hundred thousand. Oh yeah, for sure, definitely. That's uh, to me that was easy. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that Disney put me in like like the soundtracks of uh, and seen oh man certain movies that I was fucking with like South Central like certain movies I had action to like getting in and putting my music in these mu- these movies and soundtracks and stuff like that because, of, of course, it was Disney, but they'll link me up with certain stuff. And then, you know, I was getting breaks like like the Chris Rock shit, the uh, CB4 movie. Yeah, who you actually was doing a rapping. You was doing yeah, all the rapping Yeah, that was me doing there. a rapping, and Daddy-O was doing a uh, rapping from Stethosonic from uh, doing the other part of the shit. Mm-hmm. Straight <laughs> out it of was low me. cash. Yeah, straight out of low cash and all that sweat from my balls. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Chris Rock right now. You know he he hot right now because <laughs> yeah, sure. all that controversial shit. But um, and then I did another soundtrack for Chris Rock on that Head of State. I think it was called some movie or something. I put one of my shits in there. So when I catch up with Chris, man, we got to holler, bro. Yeah, for sure. You did a lot of pivotal stuff. Yeah. Now, now let me ask you this, man. This during the time, man, we talking about the eighties right now. Yeah. And in the eighties, it was just a whole nother level as far as gangsterism. Yeah. In the streets, people was really gang banging. Hell yeah. And Quick was one of the first, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. Quick was one of the first people to really start kind of like banging on wax a little bit because he would throw little stuff in there. Yeah. He would throw little subliminal stuff in the records yeah. and kind of let you know what it is, you know? No, on the mixtapes, you know, shit, the, the tape, you know, the hood tape. So he just, you know, we just let it be known. And then after that, it was becoming kind of like, you know, the dudes that was kind of stepping up because back then it was, I ain't gonna lie bro it was just kind of hard to just really get out there and just kind of put yourself on the front line like that because it was really like motherfuckers that will come and test your shit you know what I'm saying so mm-hmm. you do shit nowadays and it's still bad don't get me wrong but it's not cameras everywhere back then like it is today you can't fucking sneeze or take a uh a leak on the side of a building without a motherfucker filming you now. But back then, a nigga come slide on you and do whatever, and they don't know who did it until, you know what I'm saying? Like some of the the greatest rappers alive, they still don't, you know, it's unsolved. But right now, dudes got cameras everywhere. They actually doing shit on camera. That's why I don't really rock with the social media shit too much, like taunting motherfuckers on cameras and motherfuckers running up on people trying to get points and cloud of doing nigga shit to people on camera that's just not my lane i don't feel it Mm -hmm. but if that's what niggas do i respect that but it 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 was just different back then bro so when you said some shit you had to really stand on some shit it wasn't like now because um i see a lot of people that claim they pyros they Mm -hmm. bloods and this and crips and and they not necessarily really like that and they can kind of get away with it but back then you really had to stand on you had to be a man or whatever yeah Hell yeah. You had to, especially being a blood. Hell yeah. You already know back then. Because y'all, y'all came at it, and plus y'all came into the time to where everybody it seemed like was Crips at the time. That's what, hey, the family back at, back in, you know, I had family, I got family out of town from the South and shit, and they used to be concerned about me and shit because they heard I was running in the streets, and they was like, man, you're not, you're not running, you're not, uh, they, all they thought it was Crip mean, they thought Crip mean everything, you know what I'm saying? Crip was, the Mexican gangs, Crip was the, they didn't know, you know, you're not, you're not with the, you're not doing the Crip, you know, he, he, he Crip. I'm like, nah, that ain't <laughs> what we doing, but they didn't understand it and shit, but it was, it was, it was hard back then to be, you know, 
Now, did y'all ever have any conflict with that? Like, and, and, because people knowing y'all was pyrus all the live- fucking time. Yeah, you best believe, goddamn right. Let's talk about it, man. We was the only one. We was like the first ones to come out and just they knew we wasn't. You know, like they heard a lot of the shit and what we was dressed like and what we was wearing. They know we wasn't. You know, we wasn't no crips. They know exactly what was going on. And it was like dudes that, that, like you said, the dudes from out of town that probably heard somebody say something. And then you had some real niggas. Like, I mean, it was one of those things. I think, if I'm not mistaken, we was kind of like the first ones from from that side to really go out and tour and people be known. Like, okay, them niggas is dogs and, you know, the other niggas is lokes. Mm-hmm. And we was just touring, touring, touring. And everywhere we go, we're some other, back then, before all the shit all the shit got twisted up norm all the bloods had respect for each other loved each other it used to be a thing where dudes would say blood love you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and it was like i can go to san diego pull up on the dog and just share break bread or whatever i can go from anywhere and it was like come on blood let's you know whoop, whoop. it was cool like man the nigga look out for you but now they beef with each other, something terrible. Like, I remember crazy. that time, man. I remember yep. that time that um, Bloods would look out for Bloods and Crips would look out for Crips. Yeah. And now it's the thing, man, that where it's more Bloods killing Bloods now and it's more Crips killing Crips. Yep. That's how it go. What do you think, man, being one of them dudes that was, that's really a veteran of the streets, a lot of people don't never bring your name up, but you was a real gangster. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you're a real gangster. You know what I mean? You was, was a real gangster. Of course, we grown men now. Yeah. Got children and, you know, yeah. responsibilities and stuff. So ain't nobody running the streets like they was. But mm-hmm. during that time, have you ever had an incident on the road where you really thought it was going to go down? I would, man, we had a whole bunch of the fucking incidents. Like that shit quick talking about in the record, just like Compton. Mm-hmm. Like being shot at and shit coming out the back of a show. And the dude, like, just for instance, one night we doing a show and I seen a dude had on this green. I never forget what color he had on green with his chain and shit. He was doing this thing or whatever. Then he was uh, in the show, enjoying the show, singing our shit. And um, uh, I think that was San Antonio, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Dude partying. He had a couple of his homies with him. I don't remember who exactly was with him. But long story short, bro, we came out and dude was laid out, man, shot in the dome like somebody got him and domed him out there. And he was like, damn. And then we was trying to get out the building. Some motherfuckers started shooting at us. We had to throw the vest on quick. And some of our, our uh, team was with us, the security and shit and homies, and start shooting back at them. And we got in the van. <laughs> we had MC Bree with us, man. MC Bree manager was like, what the fuck going on? Y'all, this shit is real. This dude jumped. He, I think he had on a white suit. Mm-hmm. He jumped on the ground and was laying under a van and got up and was like, man, y'all motherfuckers is crazy. This and that. We was like, man, this this kind of how it go, homie, when you pushing this line. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. not that we was pushing the line like that or banging on niggas, but they just knew where we was from. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was just made it a little bit harder. Yeah, and let's talk about this. And ironically, mm-hmm. I wish I had the homie ate up here today. Now, <laughs> MC Eight. You know, Eight was from Trag New. Yeah, Eight was from Trag New. Y'all from Treetop. Mm-hmm. Y'all local to each other. Y'all both from Compton. Yeah. When the beef started with him and Quick, how intense did that get for the whole camp? Man, to be honest, it was one of those things to where, man, I I don't even know like how the shit kind of really got kicked off, but it was one of those things to where it didn't really. 
it wasn't no different from the regular day-to-day shit with us, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. that's what we used to. The thing about Compton, man, and you know, Norm, because you have been out there with us a, a million times and shit, Compton got so many goddamn hoods, it's not that big, and it's it's overflowed with hoods and, and congested with different hoods. If you go on this side of the street, you in this hood. If you go down this way, you in this hood. So we kind of just kept it pushing. It was just everyday protocol for us, you know what I'm saying, until we run into somebody, you know what I'm saying? You know how that shit go. Mm-hmm. We ain't really, tri- we ain't losing no sleep. I'm sure they ain't losing no sleep, but if you run into a motherfucker, we're going to address the situation, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, what's happening? And then when we saw him in the airport and shit, I thought it was cool. Like Quick said, you know what I'm saying? We seen him, and the nigga was on some big boy shit, and I wasn't even going to let it go down like that. We was, It was a few of us, and I think he was by himself or somebody with one person. Mm-hmm. And nigga didn't rush him or nothing like that because we don't do that shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you want to take the fade, nigga, take the fade if that's what you want to do right now. But they talked or whatever, exchanged numbers, and I think he changed his number, and that's what kind of made Quick even matter. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, nigga, mm-hmm. we was supposed to be, like, when he said you changed your little beeper number, like, back then niggas had pages. Mm-hmm. So he kind of changed his number. I think that's what happened. I'm not sure, though. And but. the thing is, man, it, those situations usually be so touchy that he might not exchange his number being on some stuff it yeah. might not have had you nothing to do with what. y'all because I change my number all the time. That's what I'm saying. So and you never knew what the fuck, you know what yeah. I'm saying? We don't know what the fuck was going on. But at that time it's like motherfuckers young full of testosterone mm-hmm. we know we want to be the king of the hill just like they want to be the king of the hill niggas know he a crip, they know we from where we from or whatever so it's it's like that tension, everybody already looking at it like, oh, okay. You know how motherfucker at, at school when you see a motherfucker about to fight and you like, ooh, ooh, and motherfuckers, mm-hmm. like they doing all this shit. Like, let's see what, the, like motherfuckers just wanted to see what was going to happen to me. And it was like no difference from like everyday hood shit, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that's what goes on. And one thing I do want to say, eight has always let it be known. Mm-hmm. I see my nigga. You know yeah, how eight. Eight a you, good nigga. You know and chill how, too. Shout out chill. Yeah, you know, they, they some good cats, man. Yeah, and yeah. and I, one thing I do think is cool is that that stuff did get resolved. And I'm still waiting to hear that eight and DJ Quick album. Man, that'd be dope. That, that collaboration, yeah. you know what I mean? I think that'd it would be, be dope. dope. Yeah. I think it would be dope. And I think right about now is mm-hmm. something that we definitely could make happen. I think the world is still ready for that. Hell yeah. You know, I think the That'd world is still dope. ready for that. And they also also hear they also ready to hear some new music from high C. Why do you <laughs> wait so long in between songs, man, to put out projects? Man, you know what? Like we do songs, man, and at the time the the shit just be right. I could play you some shit right now we got that ain't nobody heard a few things that ain't nobody heard that people be like, Man, what the fuck you doing? This dope as fuck and this and this and that. And sometimes we just work on shit and just put it to the side or it never come out or Start working on some new shit. Like, you know, Norm, you know how the good shit. You've been in the studio. Yeah, well, you know what's funny, man, about that is, like, when we put Let Me Know out, yeah. that record was four years old already. Yeah. And the music See, is so good, it's timeless. Time, it, yep. it doesn't have no time stamps on it or nothing like that to where you can hear one of your records four years from now and it'll still sound current. Man. And I believe that's because you guys are such great musicians. Appreciate it's, that. It's music and it's not tied into no trendy shit. It's not tied into no stuff that's going on. It's like you guys always recreating your own thing. That's Man, we do, man. And that, that record, that particular record you're talking about, man, we were sitting in quick living room. <laughs> And just fucking around, this nigga in his boxers, and we over there just fucking around with some shit. He comfortable. We at the house, 
chilling and we just start fucking around and everybody hear that song and be like man is that a sample off of you know is it Roger is it, it you know they think it's a uh, zap or somebody or uh, you know Roger Troutman or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck they think it is but no nah, this is some shit that that nigga did like straight you know just genius thinking and this me coming up with the hooks or whatever and ideas that's one thing I lo- uh, love about the the click we always threw shit at each other AT&T connects and old to podcasts connect the alarm change the podcast you stream connect the snooze 10 more minutes to dream connect the shower lather up with the news sports talk comedians or movie reviews connect with that three-hour philosophy show change the driving to work in traffic so slow connect the dishes to voices that glow thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio connect the stories change your perspective Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett or how the Yeah Yeah Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lines, hooks, choruses, you know, like when you're a group, mm-hmm. you're like, man, I don't know, Try, say this or do this. Or, what you think about that? Like, no, nah, we ain't doing that like that. You know what I'm saying? And it was just always that good, like, camaraderie, you know what I mean? Like, just team effort of putting out some good shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, And I don't think, um, when people mention top producers, a lot of people in the West always mention Quick's name in their top five, but a lot of people outside the West they always named Dr. Dre and mm-hmm. you know a few other people, but Quick is a, Quick is not just a great producer. He's also a great engineer, Hell yeah. also a great songwriter. Hell he does yeah. everything well. Everything, yeah. He does everything well because a lot Boy, of the hooks y'all have on them records to be him singing. A lot of people don't know. They that. don't know that nigga can sing. <laughs> like the old Richard Pryor said, nigga have to sing to get some pussy. <laughs> <laughs> was, man, so I want to ask you about a few people in the crew, man. Mm-hmm. Um, how did Mossberg, rest in peace, come into the fold? I want to hear the whole story. How do y'all meet Man, Mossberg, man, Baby Bird, man, that's, that's man, that's my dude. I miss Mossberg. Mossberg came into the fold. Uh, Black Tone had the shop, the baseball card store. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Black always keep a couple of businesses here. He had the beauty salon, this store, you know. Black always was getting that check. Mm-hmm. So um, he came up there, and I, I, I don't know if it was – one of the homies from Campanella, somebody bought him up there or whatever. And he had a little demo, man, and I never forget it was off of Michael Jackson. The doom doom doo doo what is that with uh Um Smooth Criminal. You yep, Smooth Criminal. And he did a song off of that. And you you gotta know Mossberg is like six five. Norman, what was he? Six four, six five? Mossberg was like my size. Yep. Oh, shit, 290, almost then at three, big boy, you know what I'm saying? Like, big, intimidating, <laughs> but young, though, and he was like, and serious as fuck, and I just like how he was serious, and he went by Johnny Burns, like, Johnny Burns, and he had this song, something, something, Mr. Johnny Burns is the realest, da-da-da-da-this, da-da-da-da, like, he just changed it all up, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, man, this nigga, man, he, he, I fuck with him, because out of all the shit you could have sampled, or what you did, he took Michael Jackson and did the shit off of Michael Jackson, but looking like serious, like, yeah, I did Michael Jackson. That's how Mossberg was. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I did Michael Jackson. What's up? Mm-hmm. And the nigga ain't going to say nothing to him shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because that nigga <laughs> bought his shit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I kind of used to smirk like, my nigga did Michael Jackson. But Mossberg was hard as fuck. So we kind of, I just, 
I took a liking to him since then. I love him. Like, man, he was like down to like say, you know, because I'm the type of nigga I like Michael Jackson too. Like, uh, my uh, cousin and his girlfriend got in my car, one of my cars and shit. You know, I do the car shit too. So I got mm-hmm. a car business or whatever. I got my own dealership, like shit. So I keep car. I be in all kind of shit. So mm-hmm. they got in one of my cars and I had a Michael Jackson CD in there and they fell out laughing because they thinking like, Oh, like Crawford ain't gonna never listen to Michael Jackson. He's supposed to listen to this was years ago. Like, oh, all the you know hard shit. I'm like, nigga, I like that's one of the best sounding albums. One of the best. Yeah, it is. Everybody loves Michael. Yeah, hell yeah. So I'm like, why in the fuck wouldn't I listen to Michael Jackson? So by Mossy doing that, I was like, nigga, go ahead. Let's see what you got. And then we just took him in and just grew a liking to him. Yeah, for sure. And he got behind them quick beats and the rest oh, is man, history. Oh, man, yeah, that shit, history after that. But actually, y'all did more songs together than anybody else, right? Yeah, me and Mossy did. We we, we didn't do all, We didn't get a chance to do all of the songs. Like I said, we got shit that ain't even came out or whatever and shit. But we do so much shit, Norm. We, like, we get in there and just get to working, bro. And then when shit get divvied up or we want to put this on this album, do this on that album, like, um, shit, that's how it go. Cause he was on his way, man, and then mm-hmm. um, he was murdered on the Fourth of July weekend, correct? Yep. Am I correct? How, how did that impact the whole camp? It fucked everybody up, bro. Until this day, until this day, I really don't go nowhere on the Fourth of July. I can't get the shit out of my head. Like it's, I don't even like to go nowhere on the Fourth, bro. Yeah, I remember um, when it was Fourth of July, and I started running with y'all. I remember Black Tone had called me and said, "Hey, where you at?" Mm-hmm. See, I'm at the crib. He said, you should probably stay there. He said, don't go nowhere on the 4th. To this day, I don't think none of y'all go nowhere on the 4th of July. Yeah, but I, I just don't. My my spirit be down. I don't know. It's just, uh, don't get me wrong. I like the Independence Day and like the kids and shit. Some of them don't even know the backstory. They too young or whatever. But I, it, it still bothered me to this day, man. And if I come out on the 4th, it's a rare occasion that I come out on the 4th. I just like to chill, you know, because mm. you in L.A. and shit and it's, with us, it could be fireworks, and it could be, <laughs> it could be a, a, a blammer, it could be anything. You know what I'm saying? It could be a grenade. Niggas out here be on some bullshit, so yeah, it could be. Real. You don't know what the fuck going on. Now, who came in? Sugar Free came in before Mossberg, right? Yeah, Sugar Free came in before Mossberg. So now that's the one I want to know. <laughs> How did y'all discover Sugar Free? Who discovered Sugar Free? Man, I'm gonna tell you like this: Black Tone had Sugar Free, and um, Sugar Free had a Sugar Free was uh, Royal Rock or the Pure Pimp, mm-hmm. and he had uh, uh, man, I can't think of my boy that was producing, but it was Tone's uh, Tone people was producing him had a different producer, and just to be real, like Black and Quick wasn't really speaking at the time, wasn't seeing eye to eye or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, I got at Black, I'm like, man, I like Sugar Free, and he was like, yeah, this and this and that, so Tone did a couple songs on him, and they was working on shit. And, um, you know, like, Tone, we off in the same neighborhood, whatever. So I was going back to Quick, and I was like, man, Quick, you need to hear this shit, this sugar-free shit. And I, I don't – he heard it, and he was like, oh, yeah, it sound kind of cool. It remind me of, like, uh, like the homie, you know, like Earl shit, like 40. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, got that vibe. He was like – I was like, yeah, it's like, no, nah, you really need to hear this nigga get down and seem. So not trying to take the credit to toot my own horn, but I got them niggas kind of like – Squash the differences of a set of without quick end up coming to uh, Black Tone Mom's house in Compton and start working on free shit right there. Them niggas got a vibe and it just kind of took off ever since then. Changed his name to Sugar Free. 
And I told the story before, though, about the uh, get your money while you bullshit. And that was done in my studio in North Hollywood and shit. That's what I was going to ask you about. (laughs) Quick was in my shower. Mm -hmm. He said he was in my shower and he heard my pipes. You know how the pipes, when you turn them off, they go. Yeah. And he said the pipes was going. The nigga hopped out of my shower and, you know, I've got showers and a couple showers in in the spot or whatever. So I'm in my shit just doing me or whatever. And I got equipment everywhere so we can just get up and rock. Because I kept the North Hollywood studio spot so motherfuckers don't come to where I lay my head at with my family and how, you know, mm-hmm. you know how that shit For go. Sure. I don't want to know everybody, you know, For sure. in there. So I kept that shit up there like that. Quick jump out the shower. Bling, 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 bling. Bling, 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 bling. And when he started working with that shit, bro, I said, God damn, I almost fucked up, no, because I told Quick, I was like, nigga, don't give that shit to nobody. That's your new shit. You back, you know, this is mm-hmm. the new, you back on. And he was like, just rocking with, you know, Quick would go over a beat. You would hear mm-hmm. that motherfucker rocking for uh, 48 hours straight. Like, and then again, and I'm just bobbing my head to it like, this shit is hard. Like, this the shit. So the nigga Free came over. And he says some shit, a couple of lines. I can tell you 30 times how to pimp you a hoe. I can tell you 30 more and you still won't know, nigga. You want to overuse the mm-hmm. Man, this nigga started saying this shit. Me and Quick looked at each other like, hell no, nah, this this nigga beat. Like, he Classic. Kill, to he this day, kill this shit you right drop that crib. record in the club today, yep. it still goes off yeah. like, it's, like it's back in the 90s. Blim, 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 blim. Yep. It still goes off, so... Y'all got all this stuff going on, man, and and that that and I think that's a big thing. A lot of fans want to know, mm-hmm. and I say we because I was around during them times. We could have had yeah. one of the most powerful crews of all time because everybody was on, dog. Hell yeah, we still can. All what niggas had to do is put their differences to the side and just power up and just do the shit. Like it's easy to do shit when you're doing it with a crew. And you ain't got to lay three verses on your song. You get what I'm saying? You record, Norm. You know this shit still. Mm-hmm. If I got to do three verses, I got to sit there and write three verses to a song. But if I'm doing a song like I put you on my album, I'm going to do the first verse. Big Steel going to do the second one. And Free or Quick might do the, you know what I'm saying, the second or none. Or AMG might come and do this. And it makes the shit easier. And then, like I said, we get to exchange ideas and bounce shit off of each other and shit like we always do. Because mm-hmm. at one time, I know at one time, Quick was doing some stuff with Death Row because he had his situation with Priority Records Profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was the profile? Yeah, he was with Profile, and I think he was making the transition from Profile to Arista or something like that with Clive. Yeah, and they wasn't letting him release no music. Yeah, it was something going on. I, don't, I ain't going to sit here and lie about it. I don't remember exactly yeah, what was but, going on, but it was a transition between Profile and then Arista with Clyde Davis. He was signed, you know. Because mm-hmm. I know what I was going to ask about is he was doing a lot of stuff with Death Row at that time. Yeah, for sure. He was doing some stuff with Death Row. And I know we speak on it, or we cannot speak on it, but you know, this is the Gangster Chronicles. We got to ask about it. <laughs> At one time, and I ain't gonna say what it was behind and everything, but one time, y'all wound up outside them gates of Death Row Records. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it was because ATT connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream, connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream, connect the shower lather up with the news sports talk comedians or movie reviews connect with that three-hour philosophy show change the drive into work in traffic so slow connect the dishes to voices that glow thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio 
Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him. 
take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You that didn't go down, you <laughs> saw somebody that knew you, and they was like, Croft, what the hell going on? And y'all was cool, but you was the reason why it didn't really go yeah. as bad as it could have. I'm going to say part of the reason why, but, you know, when we went up there, man, it was just a lot of a lot of fucking, like, tempers was flaring. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, man, we went up there, and it was like, it was one of those things to where, like, if it, if it would have been like a car backfiring or anything, like a nigga would have shot a firework off, the shit could have went real left. Normal shit could have went bad, homie, because niggas was up there strapped up. Niggas was up there, and then we found out later. Out there, I heard. I don't know if that's true, but some niggas was on the roof. Yeah, I heard about that. You know what I'm saying? So, on the roof and everything else. So we was on the outside of the gate. You know, black tone for sure. Couple of the homies, I don't even want to get on. You know, if they oh, want their oh names. Oh no, we ain't gonna put their names out. But there we like was that. out there with the with the Hoovers, with the Groove. Mm-hmm. The Groove was with us on our side, and then we was looking on the other side of the gate, and um, it was some of the homies too. So when the homie seen me, he was like, "Man, what's up, man?" He said, "Man, I'm up here, and I don't even know what the fuck going on." They just called me, and I said, "Yeah, shit, we just got the call too." Like you know, I'm saying, you know, when niggas get that call, mm-hmm. so we like we there and shit, and um, man, dude, like I don't know, it was just one of them things to like, like bro, we we the same type of niggas, you know what I'm saying? So. We not going to be pressed. We not trying to press, but we the same type of motherfuckers. So we want to see what's happening. Like, what's good? Is Niggas, do we have to squabble up? Because I'm looking for the nigga my size. You know, I'm I'm there. I'm probably like one of the shortest niggas there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get down with him. I remember one of the homies from the groove. Uh, I think his name was Boo. He wanted to get down with Buntry. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> this nigga's about the same size. And mm-hmm. I just like how the shit was going as far as that aspect of it. Like, it wasn't no, like, oh, I'm looking for the weakest link or I'm trying to pick on the littlest nigga type of shit. And then uh, niggas had, you know, strapped up shit in they, in they waistbands. And they, I mean, it, it, it could have got crazy, Norm. But niggas just really kind of knew, like, okay, you, you fucking with some real niggas. They know we some real niggas. And we're going to let this shit, we're going to figure this shit out and straighten it out. And um, we end up getting that shit straight, bro. But it it could have went left. It's that was that was a real story. Like yeah. people talking about the shit online, but it was a real story. Like yeah, it was a know. real story. And you know, we ain't got to mention a whole bunch of people's names and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I, I know it could have went down. That was a mm-hmm. that was a scary time. Oh yeah, for sure. And I'm talking about broad daylight, man. And they was saying that the police was driving by, and them motherfuckers wouldn't even stop. They were scared. Like they looked at the shit and was like. Like so it was God. just a big it was all out in the middle of the street like that it was by the gates you know in Wilshire mm-hmm. it was by the gate you know where the old death row shit used to be yeah for cause sure. we used to go to death row like niggas talk all the death row shit but nigga if you wasn't going to the to the death row that was on uh, the train tracks the I think that was the Can-Am or whatever studio that was mm-hmm. the Red Room we, we done been all up through the motherfucker you know what I'm saying so if niggas wasn't doing that back then they wasn't really doing the death row shit yeah and I know um for the record, Tony and Suge did make peace eventually. It was all good. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was all good. Man, afterwards. I'm going to say this, bro, and I never really said this shit on camera, but Suge is a, is a cool nigga, bro. Like, he, one thing about Suge, 
he will go straighten your situation out. He will go figure out what's going on, a good nigga. Mm-hmm. And, and he, like all these niggas used to be like, hey, man, call Fat Boy. Fat Boy, that's what, you know, the little nickname. But niggas before that called him Simon or whatever. Because mm-hmm. Simon said to do something, them niggas to do it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Suge was always a cool, like me and Suge always had the best relationship. Because he, big old nigga, and he always said, what's up, little nigga? Like, like when we was at the gate, when the shit was about to go down, the nigga came out the gate, it came to me and, you know, tapped me on my stomach. Like, I guess he was checking to see what kind of strap a nigga had or whatever. But what's up, little nigga? I'm like, what's up, man? What's the fuck going on? Why we got all this shit going on? We from the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Niggas is homies and shit, you know. So, but he always been a good nigga. Now, the thing is, to me, just my, this is just my opinion, Norm. Mm-hmm. If you borrow something from Suge, if you asking Suge for money or you trying to come up on Suge or you trying to get it. To me, if you asking for something. That's when the shit get a little bit tricky, because Suge is the type of say, "Hey, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna put you in the studio, or I'm gonna give you, you know, oh, you need a, you know, shit, you need fifty thousand to go do this and this and that. That nigga might slide it to you, but the but he first want his bread back. he want his bread back, and the first time he call you and he say, "Hey, we doing this uh, Oprah Winfrey show, and you need to come perform." Oh man, I'm I'm down and um, my car ain't working and this and that. All right, all right, blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nigga, when you get up there again, you might get the shit slapped out of you. You might, yeah, get, but that's just man shit though. Yeah, but I'm know. just saying mm-hmm. you making a deal with a nigga that ain't fucking around or playing no games. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you gotta definitely know what it is you dealing with. Yeah, and that's just man shit, Croft. You borrow yeah. money from any cat, mm-hmm. and you they and I ain't necessarily bread. saying borrow money, but I'm just saying if you ask him for something, and he do, he go deliver for you. Yeah, he gonna deliver, so he expect the same in return, bro. And that's the only thing I seen with Shook. That's just. Once again, my assessment of it and shit, you know, like I think that's most people's assessment from what I'm hearing because yeah. I'm hearing that anybody that did have a problem with Suge, when you check the backstory, they, they don't got to, money from him, they don't mm-hmm. try to take advantage of him somehow, yeah. and he just wasn't going for it. Oh, not at all. And, and to be honest with you, the way the music industry is designed, you need a Suge Knight and you need a Tony Lane around. Hell yeah. And, and I want to touch on Black Tone a little bit because Tone don't never really get the credit he deserves as far as being an executive. Yeah. Because at one time he had the hottest label in the streets. Hell yeah. And no, I ain't, once again, I'm doing the interview, but bro, I'm not tooting my own horn. But Tone was like more of a dude that was getting, he had his own businesses in the 80s, bro, like them car shops and all this shit. Tone mm-hmm. do business like he was a businessman in the beginning. But the nigga was street, you know, Tone was like, you know, shit, like they called him Osama. Ben Lad, that's, that's Osama. black. Osama. Yeah, yep. Osama. Black had businesses. He wasn't even thinking about the record shit. And I used to always tell him, he was like, Croft, man, fuck this music shit, man. I don't want to be dealing with all these weird, you know how Tones say everybody, these old buster ass, you know how Tones say, man, I ain't dealing with all these buster ass weird niggas and shit like that, man. Fuck them niggas. And I'm like, Black, you got too much influence out here on these streets, homie. You got to do something. And he's like, man, Croft, I don't feel like dealing with I'm going to end up slapping the shit out you know how Tone did mm-hmm. blood I'm gonna slap the shit out of one of these niggas that keep on playing with me I said Tone no, nah, bro and I was the one that normally I kept I kept I was in the nigga ear in the nigga ear well that's why I'm asking you about the Croft cause for y'all that don't know out there Croft should have been named the fixer a lot of situations <laughs> that got resolved a lot of Man. situations that got fixed was him behind the scenes really convincing somebody not to make that next move or yeah, to make yeah. that next move yeah for sure man and that's just how I am in my heart bro I'm I feel like, you know, peace, I'm a nigga about this shit, but if I can bring peace or, or squat some shit or, or just some stupid shit, did this nigga say something about your mama? No, nah, that nigga ain't say nothing about your mama, knowing that the nigga did. I'm just that type of nigga mm-hmm. that try to dead the shit before it escalate. 
but I was pushing the line, black, you need to do this, do this. So he ended up just getting into the shit. And that's now, how the sugar free, you know, Mossberg. Was it ever a time, man, that um, Laneway and Death Row almost got linked up in any kind of way? Was it ever some talks of that? Um, man, you know what? I like, like, um, Black and Suge used to talk, you know, the niggas was cool, whatever. Black and um, Suge used to talk, and I, I, I don't even know if I was. Uh, I think Black told me. I don't even know if the, I remember the whole story, but Black told me I was kind of like one of the first ones to kind of get them to talk because we heard something. I forgot what Suge had or something Black, and I'm like, man, it's Suge, and he was like, man, who and this and this and that, and knowing that his his people stayed on the east side or whatever, and the twins and all that. I don't know how the shit went, but we always was in the mix with each other. And I think they used to talk about trying to do something together. And, and you know, like when you deal with two motherfuckers, that's just the juggernauts of their era, they going to re- respect each other. Like gentlemen, you know, real mm-hmm. niggas move like gentlemen and shit. They don't be on the, oh, da, da. but I think they always had the thing of like, I'm going to do my shit over here. This is my empire. And, and Suge had his empire already. And that's kind of how it always been. But I know it was kind of probably some talks of like, like Suge. I always be like, man, BT, you know, I'd be like, BT, blood, come over here with me. And this and that. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, but I know it was some talks, but I don't know if how far that shit went. Yeah, sometimes two gorillas can't sit in the same room, though. Exactly. You know, sometimes it just don't happen like that, man. Mm-hmm. And I know it was a lot of success throughout the years, man. What's the most, what's the biggest moment? that you remember, man, just music-wise from the whole crew, what's the biggest moment? Uh, Man, one of the biggest moments I could say that was, like, just to me, that was dope. Like, it was just a moment, man. It was like, God damn, this shit is, like, live. When we did the Summer Jam or one of them, I think. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. 
Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie-loving friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It was Summer Jam, and Elder Barge came out. Mm-hmm. You ever seen that footage, the old footage of it? Yeah. And we was all out, and that it was just like, you look to the back of the crowd. You couldn't stop seeing motherfuckers. That's how many people was there, where it was just waves and waves and waves of people. Mm-hmm. It was just waves of motherfuckers. And it was like, when they came out, they knew all of the high C shit. They knew all of the second to none shit. They knew all of the AMG shit. Of course, they knew all the quick shit. And then they didn't even think that a nigga would bring out El DeBarge. And when El DeBarge came out, it was like, I swear I saw girls in the crowd naked. That's what I thought I saw. I ain't gonna lie. Those <laughs> 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 bitches was throwing their panties on. Like, this shit was crazy. And it was like one of those moments to where, and Norm, you know how I move, man. I be, most of the time, I be by myself or whatever, but I'm always humble. And and I, I really feel like it's a blessing and a continued blessing to be in the game like that, you know, to, mm. to make it. I feel like, I tell people sometimes it's like hitting a lotto. 
If you hit the lotto, you win this shit. A lot of motherfuckers, dope motherfuckers, never made it. Oh, for sure. Never it's... made it. Just like playing ball, the baddest motherfuckers don't make it because them niggas probably can't read or they got to get a, you know, some system that they made. Those niggas got to have an A plus, a B, a B average or whatever. And Which to me is kind of want to. Some people yeah. just don't want to abide by the bullshit because whenever you in music, sports, there's a lot of bullshit behind it the is, scenes to go bro. on. It is, bro. And to me, sometimes I think it's the way to level the playing field. Like, why I got to be a scholar if I know how to shoot this ball or I know how to, you know, do hoop or write this song? I don't need to be getting no straight A. I don't need to know rocket science to do this shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do what I do good. Now, don't be no fucking dummy and let people rip you off and take your money. But it, to me, it was like, okay, I'm not going to let him get this scholarship because he didn't carry this particular grade average. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, for but sure. But he dope as fuck. So now here come the motherfucker with less talent. Might be a white boy that's like, okay, you can get this, you know, because you're, you're a scholar, you're an A student, but you can't poop like him. But, hey, it's a spot for you. Mm-hmm. So you know how shit go, man. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things I will say about Black Tone, you know, we got a habit of black people always talking about the negative that somebody do right. Mm-hmm. But Black Tone, man, like I said, he got me my first check as far as my first placement. You got me my first piece of money. You know, like, yeah. you know, coming into business and everything yeah. and taking me out on the road and everything. And I, You know what they asked me about, Nora? What's that? The Malibu's Most Wanted. Is that big still in there when you was on the on the movie? Yeah, you got me the in there. Like, yeah, I you put know, you in there. Shout out to Crawfords. I went up there and um, I never will forget that day. I went up there with you. Yeah. On some hanging out stuff, you was like, Norm, you might well audition. Yeah, yeah. And that's when they had to let's go in the room, kind of battling each other. Yeah. And we got to go in there, and I went in there, watched Chingy's ass. Yeah. You know, because Chingy was in there, he was talking about some bing, 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 bing. And I was, don't even remember Chingy being there. Yeah, Shout out, Chingy. That's my boy, man. I love Chingy. Yeah, Chingy was up there, man. You know, Lou. You know, thank God I wound up getting that feature. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Get, getting that moment. That was a nice little check attached to that that we still yeah, getting to sure. this day. Hell yeah, we still get that check. You know, we still get them checks. That's some funny shit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> to this day, man, we get them checks, man. It was a bunch of cats up there that day. But that's man. how I am, man. I feel, if I can make some bread, I'm going to break bread with the homies. That's how I be, like, you know. Yeah, for sure, man. And um, I, I want to go back because I think I, we got to talk about this, man. You and Tony A., now yeah. y'all link up at the Rhodium. That's where y'all first met, That's where right? We met at the Rhodium, yeah. When did y'all decide when did y'all start making records together? Man, I'm gonna be honest. When I seen Tony like start scratching and mixing and he knew his shit, because when you look at Tone, it's like back especially back then, I'm like, I don't know if this motherfucker know, you know. Like, do he really like you know how like we was young, you know how you size a motherfucker up. Mm-hmm. Just like this shit with the street shit. Like you you can see how a nigga walk or how he move or how he how he act like okay this is this is a real one RK okay, he cool this nigga they ain't even affiliate like kind of like that so I kind of just looked at him and I was like I don't know if if Tom, I don't know if he really you know got it you know what I'm saying so the motherfuckers start mixing and doing this little shit I'm like god damn this motherfucker dope and he knew how to blend records and he mm-hmm. was scratching and shit and I'm like oh hell yeah I'm gonna fuck with him and we just started recording man and I went to Wilmington went to his house and it we just took it from there, man. We just kind of built a relationship. Oh, he was from Wilmington. Yeah. So he was from a real because at that time Wilmington was Wilmington oh, wasn't nothing to be played with. Still ain't, yeah. You know, yeah. you know, Wil- Wilmington yeah. the city, you know. The Wemos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for sure. Like we was out there doing shit and we just took it from there, bro. It was like he impressed me, bro, like with some of his mixing skills and like the shit he could mm-hmm. do with scratching and this and that and then his producing and he just had a knowledge of where to get all the like 
the um, like the oldie type of hits and shit. And I was mm-hmm. kind of like the first one that, because my thing is like I like to paint pictures and tell stories and shit like that. So he was the the type that would find this like okay let's just do this or this and this to go good with that and just putting shit together on the mixtapes. And also like when that motherfucker was doing the mixtapes, that's when you know he got Ice Cube I think to get out on one. Um, Dre Easy E, the one we did with Easy E. Mm-hmm. Uh, like man, everybody like you said that was coming here looking for vinyl and shit like that. Mm-mm-mm. You know what? Um, crazy thing about that Croft is you always had a really, really huge Mexican audience. Yeah, you know, like Pac said, it wouldn't be LA without the Mexicans. So yeah. shout out to all the Mexican homies. Yeah, for sure. That's out there doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And I think something that was real genius that you did. You know, Mexicans love the oldies. Yeah, they love oldies. Well, most Jeep cats love oldies, right? Yeah. What made y'all decide to sample "I'm Not Your Puppet," man? Who, who, whose idea was that? Man, I think we started off doing that shit on the mixtape, and the reaction and the response that we got from that shit from the mixtape mm-hmm. version of it, it was like it was automatic. It was like we got to do this on the record and, and go in the studio and do it professionally, and we did it at uh uh. Audio achievements. I think it was Donovan's studio. Donovan, yeah, yeah Donovan. We did. did all that's, NWA where, shit. that's where NWA was doing their shit at, mm-hmm. and they had the top notch equipment. And I got to look at some of Dr. Dre shit and seeing that Dre. I seen what you was doing, Dre, years ago. This nigga had, and I could tell it now because I know Dre ain't even tripping. But he had an 808 that was midied up, and if people don't understand, you don't understand. Don't even think about it. But a midi cable to a fucking 808 and I'm like this dude is not playing like every time that 808 hit it's coming right out the machine it was fresh I'm like that's how they should be sounding so cracking but we went in there to uh, record I'm Not Your Puppet and came out with that sound that's why it sound like sonically clear and shit like that it was like one of those records that, that everybody was like man when it's coming out we had to do it so shot the video at the Rhodium <laughs> it was just automatic that's dope, dog. Is you mm-hmm. you think that's your biggest record to date? I think it is, bro. I really think it is. I really think that's like, you know, one of the biggest records today that that I did, and just you know all the features that we did on each other shit. Like on Quick Album, we got a uh, medley for a V. Like Snoop, me and Snoop was on there. Mm-hmm. AMG, like all of us, Elder Bars, like them records, like people don't hardly know about, but. I was just thinking about that the other day, like all the features that we did with different motherfuckers, man. It's like, we got so much shit, bro. Yeah, we, we definitely, man. What I'm going to do, everybody, I'm going to go outside. I, I'm going to go over Croft's house one day and I'm going to go in a vault, y'all. <laughs> and I'm going to steal all them songs he got that he don't man. want nobody to hear because I'm going to tell y'all he got some heaters in there. Man, for sure. It, are we ever going to get any more high C music? Man, you know what? I I really be feeling like you know when I get that itch, Norm. You know how we are, we Gemini's and shit. Mm-hmm. Get that itch, man, and that shit turn on, and you get that creative juice. Mm-hmm. You just might, man. Well, that's one thing you about you. Might. You not go put a record out before it's time, and you just don't go in the studio for the sake of nah, going in the studio. Hell no, nah, because I ain't pressed like that. Like to me, when you pressing and you trying to do this and you gimmicky and you want to do, I gotta do this or I gotta do that or or motherfuckers that try to bait motherfuckers into a battle and shit. I never been that type of motherfucker. Oh, did he say something about me or did he was he dissing me? I gotta diss him, like all that old bullshit to me. And if that's how you live, don't get me wrong, that's more power to you, but I don't fuck around like that. I do it when that shit feel good and it feel natural. Like, let me get in here and this is what I feel like doing at the time. 
Yeah, for real, man. And you always been consistent with that too. Yeah. Always been consistent with that. I remember when I came with my first album <laughs> and I let you hear you was like, Norman, you got only got one time to put your first record out. You need to do this and that over again. Yeah. I was mad, but I went back and you No, know, you did, man. And uh, I appreciate you, Norman, for that. Uh, I, you know, I remember that shit like yesterday. You called me, you was like, Crop, I got ten songs. I'm ready. I'm like, Norm, hold on. Yeah, you gonna real. do uh ten songs three times before you gonna do ten songs five times. You gonna have fifty of them motherfuckers before and then you call me back, you remember what you said? He was like, Yeah, Crop, you right, because I don't even like that other shit I did. So I'm like, You should hear this new shit and I'm like, damn, Norm got some shit. Yeah, I did, man. You know what? That's one of my biggest regrets, dog, is I mm-hmm. think when you younger you get in the race for time. Yeah. Especially when you start hitting that 29, 30-year-old mark. Mm-hmm. You get to kind of like thinking, man, I need to put this out before I get too old. Mm-hmm. Because you know hip-hop, man, is a young man's game. It is. But now you got brothers like Hove. He's 50-something. He's yeah. still out there tearing down microphones. Yeah. You got the Wu-Tang class. They still putting out music. Shit, and I you know, that. some of them acting. I think it, it come to a thing, man, when you get older, you start expressing your creativity in different ways. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because you the growth. Yeah, it's growth. It's, it's like growth. Yeah, it's, it's like, like I don't have no desire now to put out no records or yeah. nothing like that, dude. I think this is my thing right now. I like creating content. No, that's dope. And you you smashing this shit, no? I'm like I tell everybody, man, still got this shit cracking. But to me, no, let me let me just say this or ask you a question. Like, I understand why people retire in sports, so they want them to retire because your reflexes, your uh, quick twitch muscles and mm-hmm. shit like that you can lose you know you d- lose mobility you get injured you can fuck yourself up in the in a music game or or, or the hip-hop game or any genre of music like why do we have to retire because we season now i'm gonna even say old or we veterans you because shouldn't have my to. throat didn't get like i still i speak well i feel like i'm intel- intelligent enough to make songs i can do this i can still create so I ain't got to go out here and jump or slam dunk or run no motherfucking uh, four two in the forty or or do whatever the fuck you know what I'm saying. So why do they put this label on us as hip hop? Like we got to do that. I know the attention span and the lifespan of some of the hip hop shit is short, but you look at that at bands like the Stones or Chicago. They still do anything up into their seventies. And motherfuckers love them, bro. I can answer it for you, Croft, right now. You Mm -hmm. know what I believe it is, bro? I think it's something that within our people, our culture, right? Mm -hmm. Black people don't respect, um, I'm trying to find the right word. They don't respect maturity almost. Because Mm -hmm. if you look at the average brother today that's online, you know, some of these guys online, these dudes anywhere from 40 
to 55 years old acting like little kids. Yeah. They acting like they 20, 19, 18-year-olds. <laughs> um, and, yeah. I, and, and I almost think that's an insult to the younger generation it because is, bro. some of these people is more immature than my five-year-old niece. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. act like they act like on a the level. They almost like borderline. If you looked at them, you would say, "Man, are these people retarded?" Yeah. Because that's just what they do. You got a lot of people, and I think us as black people, man, it always come back to the Willie Lynch stuff. Mm-hmm. We hate to see, we hate to see the next man shine, rather than applaud. Crazy to me. You man. know, rather than applauding, because theoretically, I think the older people get. The better they bars get, they've seen more. Yeah, they've been they around the world. Exactly. You know, they got more experience. Exactly. So I think that's why now you could probably hear some of Jay Z's best music. Mm-hmm. You hear some of what's that kid's name? He ain't a kid, but he an older dude, man. I think he was signed to um, Rock Nation, man. That dude is a beast, though. I can't think of his name. He only put out one album, but that dude is in his fifties, man. He raw. Yeah. Look at Sugar Free. Yeah, sugar free, damn near. Oh, free gonna always bust your Sugar head free <laughs> almost got a resurgence going now. Yeah, and sugar free in his fifties. Yeah, and he's nasty, man. To me, it should always be about your music, man. Yeah, your boy how old Titty you Boy are. that made made it, you know. Titty Boy, two chains, yeah, two chains, two chains. Another brother, his name. That if he know. ain't in his fifties, he's up yeah. there. And I think, man, what it is is that you just got to create a character. Like Snoop Dogg is probably the biggest rapper of all time, brand yeah. wise. Snoop, my nigga, too. You know, man. everybody knows Snoop is, yeah. and Snoop ain't no spring chicken, but nah. he's going to forever be able to go on stage and make music, I think, because he's always stayed in character. Yeah. I think that's all you got to mm-hmm. do is just stay in your character. Too yeah, Short, yeah. I was listening to Too Short when I was 16 to 17 years old. Too Short still making the same music, yeah. and might fuck around and have a hit record on your ass. And Short Dog is dope, man. It's E-40 the same way. I, we was on, on the road with them when we was going out, man, and watching uh, forty and, and and short man like sing they songs and a whole crowd responding no word for word, and then I'm sitting up here looking at E forty his features and shit like he got all this shit the timer shit and all that but then he jump on the shit with I don't fuck with you like all this new shit yeah and it's like he he touching both both worlds you know what I'm saying same thing with short when he was doing the shit you know what he was doing uh, the, the the collaborations and the features and shit like mm-hmm. people fuck with him like just off the rip bro like it's crazy how they gravitate towards them dudes man well i think what's happening now man is that you're getting a resurgence because you got a lot of younger kids the mm-hmm. cast is in their 20s mm-hmm. 20s 20 25 years old 26 they grew up listening to that hell that's yeah. what they grew up so now they hell got yeah. an opportunity to collab with one of their favorite artists mm-hmm. and i think that's how it's going because 40 still got bars you can't tell hell me yeah. for, e40 can't rap no more because he 55 years old or whatever. What That's the fuck what I'm saying. That so make? why the time limit? What I don't get that shit, bro. And I, like I a nigga, voice a, ain't the voice ain't slowed down. My throat's still good. Yeah, and pause. I think, <laughs> and I think it should be a personal choice, man, because I still write raps for a lot of people. I don't, you know, of course, I can't just put it out there and say yeah, who it nah, is necessarily because yeah, you got to keep stuff. Yeah. On a low, but I write a lot of stuff, and I actually write my dopest stuff now. Yeah, it's like because I've been more places, you man. I've experienced shit, yeah. more things, and I'm talking from a place of what I know versus when I was, you know, when I was broke, I was talking about having money. Hell yeah, that I've never seen, and now I get a little. No, bit No, I mean you done went to Japan and shit together. You done been on the other side of the motherfucking earth. Oh, for sure, and have experienced some things <laughs> that's gonna stay over there in Japan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Don't, 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 don't talk about this shit, Nor. No, Leave that some shit. stuff yeah, we don't need to talk about, dog. Yeah. Some stuff we don't need to talk about, but I know Japan. 
Yeah. The thing about Japan, man, is they treat you like you a god over there. Hell yeah. We went over there, man. They was treating Crawford like Crawford. You was man. getting treated like a, a king over man, there, it's man. It's crazy. And they like the like the second album I did mm -hmm. was like really like one of the big albums over there that they they fuck with. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate it. I'm ready to go back now when y'all ready, bro. Well, Been you to know, China, you know, China as well. China got some shit too. Oh, for sure. But, but one of the things I'm gonna start doing, though, bro, we gonna start doing over here at Digital Soapbox, mm -hmm. is we got a streaming network coming, a 24-hour music channel that's coming out like, um, I think we launched in September, late September, early October. Mm -hmm. One of the things we're doing, it's going to be kind of like MTV was, but it's going to be all hip-hop, all hip-hop and rap. Okay. You know, we're going to be showing our podcasts on there. We got original series we're doing. But one of the things that I am bringing back, man, is we go start shooting music videos to classic classic songs. We actually go go get artists. And we got a couple of people that's re-recording classic albums. Like, mm -hmm. um, we got eight. He's going to re-record Straight Up Menace. Yeah. You know the album? Yeah. He's going to record that album. And um, one of the things we talked about doing was um, like taking a song, like Growing Up in the Hood, that's a classic. Mm-hmm. And putting Scarface on there, Hell and yeah. shooting a whole new video for it, and just yeah. bringing it to these whole new generation because a classic is gonna always be a classic. It don't matter. Some set timeless, bro. It's gonna always be climbing. And one of the things I always go holler mm -hmm. at you about is doing redoing one of your classic albums. That's easy, bro. Same music, doing a thing, but just getting different features on there, different look. You That's know what I'm saying? Do, I yeah. think that would be dope, man. That's easy to do because I got my own masters. You know, I own them shit. So, yeah, but Norm, sure. this is what I want to do. When you do that, I want to be the anchor on the on the video shit. You know, MTV used to have, I forgot my man name, used to be the anchor. He used to be on everything and be like, this is the videos and tune in at this and this Oh, for and sure, I'm for sure. Go Let ahead me be the on anchor there. on this for shit. For sure, I got you as anchor on there. I've been telling you, Crawl, yeah. everything I do, you included in on, bro. Man, let's rock. You know what I'm saying? And I, I appreciate you coming down to sit yeah, down with sure. me today, dog. Y'all don't know this interview done been a long time in the making, oh, yeah. but Crawford really is a big, a busy guy. <laughs> He's a busy guy, got a lot of businesses going on. We got sure. car dealership, different stuff like that, man. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on. So y'all be on the lookout, man, because I'm a, you know, he like the Loch Ness Monster. He only come out of the water every few years, but I'm going to try to pull him out a little bit more. Yeah, I'm going to come out a little bit more. Yeah, for when sure. When I'm fucking with, you know, family, my loved ones, I, I can come out and be safe, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And um, I know you don't got no social media channel, so I guess when people see you, they just run into you. Yep. For sure. Yep. I don't got no social media to give y'all for my guy, y'all just, so I, I don't know. Y'all get out of my guests on the Gangster Chronicles page or whatever. Hell yeah. On addiction and then you're going to relay the message. It's going to yeah. be some good messages. And, and I'll relay the message, man. So is there anything out there that, man, that you want to leave to the people, man, before we jump up off of here, man? Man, honestly, bro, I just, I like to hear new shit. I like to hear a new vision, a new direction of shit. So, what I want to say to just just this shit right here, man, as far as like the music and the streets, and I'm starting to notice that the streets are more tied into the music now, and it's more like, you know, like I hear the term that they're using. It's not our term, but the gang gang. You ever heard them say that shit? Norm? Yeah, for sure. Like, you gang gang. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like we don't say that shit out here, and it's not, not no knock on it or whatever, but we used to hit niggas up like, hey, nigga, where you from? You bang? You you bang or you gang at same shit, whatever. But I'm starting to see a lot of that shit is entwined into the culture, man. And it's just one of those things to where you got to really, to me, be about that shit and know what you're doing before you start doing all this shit, bro. And if you're not really about that, like, you don't need to fuck with that to be up. You you got dudes like, um, like uh, 
Ken, uh, J. Cole, that's to me like a cool niggas that rap their ass off, that's doing very well without saying, hey, I'm from blank, 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 or I'm affiliated with this. You got dudes that's that's in the shit, like the homie from, from the neighborhood, but he about that shit. YG, that's, that's the homie. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We're from the same neighborhood or whatever, but he about that shit. Those are two different artists on two different paths, but you could tell that this dude is about his shit because that's what he talk about. J. Cole is about that shit, and that's what he talk about. So to me, I want dudes to find a lane. I wish they would find a lane. Don't just talk about the same shit. How many times we going to be in the street? How many times we going to do this? How many times? I want to hear some new shit. I want to hear some shit like when Wu-Tang came out and it was just like a crew of motherfuckers doing something different. They took the karate shit and made a whole motherfucking career out exactly. of it. Exactly. That's what I'm looking you for. You know what I'm saying? You know what's funny about you saying that I was telling somebody the other day is when are we go get another Bone Thugs and Harmony? There you go, Bone. Somebody I remember that, when Easy had Bone. Yeah, shit, you like, know, just somebody that come out with something that's so different. Yeah. It's like, damn. I'm waiting on that shit, Norm. That's what I'm like. So that's I, like I want to close with kind of with that shit. And I'm really surprised at how, and it's no knock because a nigga from where he from, we did the whole street shit or whatever. Like you said, we on grown man and business shit now. But I'm surprised at how, like, they making this, this street shit so, like, acceptable and it's cool and this and that. And it's just so, like, to me, it's kind of like, watered down or, or sugar coated like just like the gang shit like that's well, you know, and then it, it reaches out of out of California like I don't I don't want that shit to be out in the south I don't want that shit to be on the east coast I don't want that shit to be for real I feel you man you get what I'm saying yeah. and, and no and don't get me wrong cause this motherfuckers that done put it on the line this reputable reputable motherfuckers in every city every state but it's just a certain way that you carry it, Yeah, bro. but it's let like, them be reputable in their own way. Like, when I go down to New Orleans, I don't want to see no Crips and Bloods down there. That's what I I'm want saying. them doing their stuff and yeah. calling us whoa and doing yeah. their thing. You, yeah, you feel what I'm what, saying? Because that's their culture. Let me get some of that culture. Let me get some of that the East Coast. Let me get some of that, you know what I'm saying, the the, the up north shit. Let me get some of that, that Chicago. Let me, get, You know what I'm saying? It's like, but we can do that shit without being you know, fucked up towards each other, turning up on each other or whatever, because the niggas still then touched all these different cities. And like I said before, like we talked about at the death row shit, a real nigga recognize a real nigga. We pull up in any hood. We ain't coming to disrespect or we ain't coming to say, oh, we in your hood, this and this and that. We come with respect. So nigga, when you come out here, you're going to get the same respect from us. You get what I'm saying? But we want to go to Chicago and get that Harold's chicken. Mm -hmm. Or we want to go to, uh, to uh, St. Louis and shit and go into, into the pink slip. The pink slip, I heard, closed down. That's a strip spot. Only niggas, the real niggas know what I'm talking about. But, you know what I'm saying? You want to go over there and get your your experiences. Like you said, you want to go to the quarters and get you some beignets. And, you know what I'm saying? You want to hey, keep exactly. the culture. You want to keep the culture authentic. Exactly, it's like, you bro. know, the, the Crippling Blood and stuff is a West Coast thing. And not to say that the brothers in Kansas City, because they they've been doing it since the 80s now at this point. You know, Little Rock, man, doing You know, they, they've been the, gang banging yeah. out there for 30, 40 years now. And yeah. I think what happened was the old dope routes, they kind of went out there and they brought their culture out there to different people and they kind of yeah. just stood the test of time and stayed out there. Mm-hmm. But I hope people stay authentic to what their culture is. Yeah, and I think man. that's what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying, bro. Cause I'm, I'm honestly, Norm. I'm the the nigga that was 
in Compton, but I listen to a lot of hip hop from from fucking um, KRS One to um, I mean everybody, bro. That like uh, Just Ice. I mean dudes that's back in the day. G rap. I listen to all that shit, bro. I was one of them dudes. Slick Rick. All the shit that was kind of like the Master Ace. I mean, a lot of New York. I was influenced by a lot of the East Coast shit, honestly, mm-hmm. bro. And it was like, to me, them dudes was just dope at how they create shit. My nigga Jay Rude, the damager. And that was one of your biggest Not markets, Jai wasn't Rude. it? Yeah. New York was one of your biggest markets. They fuck with me in New yeah. York for sure, man. They fuck with me, man. And it's it's funny, like, when I see a couple of dudes, like, sometimes I run into Method Man and he'd be like, hi, see, you know, like, we'd be like, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, he give me that, like, uh, like, I heard you, you know, like, the nod and shit. So I'm like, you know, we was listening to their shit. We was influenced by it. Now it seems like it's just the L.A. shit is like touching everybody for us. Is you know the, the street culture shit, man. And I just, I'm just looking at it like, bro, if that's not really you, leave that shit alone. Let the real niggas do that. There's other ways to get your bread. You know what? Before you go, I'm gonna ask you this question, bro. Mm-hmm. You can answer it whether you want to or not. What do you think about the whole thing where cats, certain cats is going online trying to expose cats for snitching and all that type of stuff, man? You think that's dangerous? Man, it did. Whoo, shit. We got a whole, look, this is a whole nother motherfucking podcast. But it's like, to me, I'm going to say it like this. Like the old people used to tell us, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Mm-hmm. So if you getting out here fucking around and you know some shit, don't look at what you going to gain or what you about to win. Look at what you jeopardizing. Are you about to leave your kids behind? Are you about to leave somebody behind or your son behind or whoever the fuck because you got in this moment or you got in your feelings or you wanted to try some dumb shit or some stupid shit? Think about what you're going to lose before you think about what you're going to gain or what you're about to do and turn up. And I'm saying that to say it won't put you in a position to where you have to get down on somebody or you have to snitch on somebody Cause you know how it go when they start saying, "Oh well, hey, you looking at twenty five or you looking at 30. And Most motherfuckers are, oh, 30, I can't do thirty. So uh, such and such did blank 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 X Y Z. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When they start hitting them with them big jersey numbers and shit, no, mm-hmm. they, oh, you got you looking at fifteen. Yeah, that's cool. And, but the real motherfuckers, Norm, it's, hey, you looking at twenty? Come on with it. Come on with it. That's the only Bring way. It. That's that's the way to be. Yep. But but what do you think as far as cats going online and actually pointing people out? Man, it's a tricky situation because you point it. But look at what you just said, right? You point the nigga out for snitching, but what you doing when you point the finger? You snitched on the snitch. Yeah, because what I was always taught, Croft. <laughs> you know, I had uncles, man, that stayed in the penitentiary. Yeah. And they told me this exactly. They said, man, if you go expose somebody, mm-hmm. you got to be willing to either handle your business mm-hmm. or don't say nothing at all. It was yeah. one of them things like handle your business and yep. don't say shit about that's, it. You know and what that's mean? how I feel. I agree. But I'll keep right about that. Because if I'm saying this nigga snitching, I'm snitching that he's snitching. Yeah, for real. And y'all but heard- if I know he fucked up, you know what the best bet, the best thing to do is my best bet? Stay the fuck away from this nigga. Like, I don't fuck with you. I ain't affiliated. I, you can't call me. I just, I'm just. 
Yeah, for real. And there it is. And y'all be on the lookout, man, because Croft don't say it to me. He don't came on the show. I got witnesses. We got a, yeah, we got yeah. a lot of people to listen to this, man. So y'all, I got witnesses now, Croft. So when I hit you up and say, hey, man, I got the shooting schedule ready. We about to do this thing. I want to do something on the rhodium for sure. Man, let's do it. Big Steel, you know, I love you, man. You the only nigga that can pull me out the cut, man, and just make me come out, man. Whenever you call, I'm coming. You, you put up the bat signal. I'm for sure. So y'all heard him, and we out of here. <laughs> Hell yeah. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.